everyone involved. What a great blessing that was. And what a great subject for us to celebrate today. I can't think of anything. Uh, it's something that we celebrate every Sunday. Every Sunday is a Resurrection Sunday. And we're so glad that you're here. Open your Bibles, please, to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. Some of you, no doubt, can already suspect what verses I'll be reading this morning. Matthew 28, beginning in verse 1. The end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning and his remnant white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye. For I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He's not here. For he is risen as he said. Come see the place where the Lord lay. As we look back through history, we find many famous words that have been quoted. Three word phrases. For example... Someone said, war is hell. For those that have been in it, no doubt that's the way that they feel. MacArthur, when he left the Philippines, said, I shall return. For those of us here in Texas, it's what? Remember the Alamo. And the list could go on and on and on. But I want you to notice this morning that there's never, ever been three words to equal what we find recorded in verse 6. This is the greatest news ever heard. He is risen. Those were the words uttered by the angel on the very first Easter morning, and those glorious words were meant to encourage and well, they did. You think about the time that the announcement was made when all seemed lost. I, I always try to put myself in the place of those followers going back to John 13, and there they're gathered in the upper room. The Lord has already tried to tell them what was going to transpire, and yet it was so horrible in their mind that they just couldn't connect the dots. They couldn't imagine Him being crucified, being his life being taken. Remember, these are men that had forsaken everything to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything. They were hated and despised by other people because of the fact that they followed him. And now as far as they know, he is gone and gone forever. Something they never dreamed of. The very worst thing that they could imagine has happened. 
Jesus has been crucified. He's been buried. And as far as they know, that's going to be the end of the story. You can imagine how they would be troubled by being in a situation like that. Not only are they in pain because of what they're going through, not only are they hurting because of what he went through, they, they're perplexed because nothing seemed to make any sense to them at this stage. They're wondering, you know, how, how are we going to find the strength to go on? What are we going to do now? When he was here, if we were hungry, well, he could feed the multitude. If we got sick, he could heal the sick. If we died, he could raise the dead. And who are we going to look to now? And it was upon that gloomy, gloomy time in their life that the angel said to the women, He is risen. Those words not only brought great delight, but they made a difference. You see, it's one thing for, for a speaker, maybe with a lot of eloquence, to be able to say things that just have a way of grabbing you by the throat and inspiring you for a moment. But when it's all said and done, it's all over, man, it doesn't make any difference. It sounds good, but it's not life-changing. But this is life-changing. Whenever the news finally reached the disciples, they were changed so drastically. This truth transformed them. They were never the same after that. The reality of the fact that Jesus arose from the grave reminds us that with Him things are never out of control. There are folks here today, no doubt you're thinking uh, your life maybe is out of control. And you could give them maybe a long list of reasons. It might be a physical problem. It could be an emotional problem. It could be a financial problem, whatever it is. But whatever, we need to understand that whether it's our past, our present, or the prospect of our future, it's all based on what Christ can do because nothing is ever beyond His control. And as Christians, we can rest in the redemption that, that He has provided. We can rejoice in the resurrection knowing that He is alive and we can rely upon the fact that He's going to return. Just like He said, He's coming back. It's not over yet, folks. We have reason to rejoice. Just notice the words. Look in verse 5. And, and, and just notice how this ought to affect us. First of all, he says, fear not. That gives us this calm courage. It certainly did the women. Verse 6 says, he is risen. This is the cause to celebrate. Verse 7, go quickly and tell. There's a compelling concern based on the fact that he is alive. There's a reason to go. There's a compulsion to go and let others know. And there is this consoling confidence said, there shall you see him. It was one thing for the angel to say, he's alive. It's another thing to say, you're going to see him. Oh, listen, we could spend hours talking about each one of these things, but I want to narrow our focus down to a fine point. And I don't want to get lost in all of the details of 
of the crucifixion and, and the resurrection, I want us to just focus on the one thing, the one person that we celebrate, and that's Jesus. A lot of folks don't realize that worship, real worship, is a lifestyle. It's not something that we just do on Sunday morning or even Wednesday night. It's not something we do just when we're having a revival. Real worship is a lifestyle. And that's why Paul wrote in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. That's an everyday thing that we are giving unto the Lord ourselves as a living sacrifice. That's what worship is all about. Listen. Knowing all of the facts... Being able to quote all of the scriptures related to the resurrection of Christ does you no good without a relationship with Christ. Whether it's Easter, whether it's Christmas, or any other religious holiday that you can think of, the only thing that makes them meaningful is Christ Himself. And that's what I want us to think about this morning, Christ. And listen, you, you either do or you don't have a relationship with Him. There's no neutral ground, no middle ground. And without Christ, nothing else matters. Oh, we sometimes think that there are things that are so very important in this world. And, and in a sense, they, they, they are important, important to to our personal welfare, but they are of no lasting value except for our relationship with Jesus Christ. If I was talking about silver and gold and diamonds and pearls, suggesting to you that they could be found here on the ground, instead of having an Easter egg hunt like some churches are having, you know that we're having a diamond hunt. You go out and you look around, and if you'll listen to what I'm saying, I'll, I'll give you some hints as to where you can find a diamond or a pearl or a water cash or whatever. Boy, everybody would be attuned to that. I mean, it's only natural because it's ingrained within us in our fallen nature to desire what we think is going to please us. That's true of everybody. Even though you're saved, there's a part of you, part of that old nature. The vestiges of that old nature is still within you, troubling you till the day you die. Be easy to get your attention, but for some folks, you know, when it comes down to Christ, it seems like it's, well, not that big of a deal. Last several weeks I've been talking about this matter of really learning to listen and, and the matter of attention to the Word of God. And Oh, listen, I'd love to preach about the perfection of Christ. There's so much that we could say about it. To think about that, although He was tempted in all points such as we are, yet without sin. Nobody else has ever been able to say that. He was sinless in every sense. I'd love to be able to preach this morning about the miracles of Christ. 
all of those great miracles. He did things that nobody else had ever been able to do nor has ever been able to do since. He did things nobody, no human being can possibly do. And each and every miracle was meant as a message for us. And we could spend several weeks studying about all of those miracles. I'd like to take the time to talk about the teachings of Christ. Sermon on the Mount. To think about all of the messages that he delivered while he was here. I mean, what could be more exciting than that? I'd like to be able to take the time to preach about the power of God that's able to change lives regardless of where you are in life. I'd like to preach about that for an hour or so this morning. I'd like to preach about heaven. Remember when he said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, he said, what? I'm going to come again. That where I am there, ye may be also. I tell you, heaven is something to get excited about. But I want you for the minute moment to block out all of those other things about Christ. And I want you to think about your need to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. Listen, we could spend hours just debating the issues pertaining to His resurrection. People are doing that. Not everybody agrees on the particular day that Christ was crucified. Not everybody agrees on the particular time that He was raised. And there's all kinds of questions that people have. We could get into big debates about that. Some preachers seem to enjoy that kind of thing. But let me tell you, that doesn't mean anything if you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior. Even if you got all of the answers you wanted, it would not matter. He was crucified. And nothing is more evident than that. That's history. The point is, why was he crucified? You might be here today and you know that he was, but you've never thought about why he was crucified. Well, some of the songs explained it well. He gave his life for your life. He died in your stead. He took your place. He was the sacrifice that was offered up for your sins. And you'll never resolve all of these religious issues until you get to the place where as the Lord was speaking to Nicodemus, the famous, well-known, great teacher of the Old Testament who didn't know near as much as he thought he did. And Jesus said, ye must be born again. Folks, that's true of each and every one of us, regardless of who you are. Because until you trust Christ as your Savior, you can celebrate His resurrection on Easter, and that's well and good. But you have no freedom of forgiveness. 
your sin debt still hangs over your head. There is no salvation from your sin. There's no grace for your guilt. No mercy for the misery that you're in. No redemption from your ruin. There's no justification that would provide you with joy. There's no peace to deliver you from your pain. Without Him, without Him you have nothing. Without Him, as the song says, I would be lost. Without Him, we wouldn't have anything. Let me tell you why Easter matters so much. Because even if Jesus had come and lived a perfect life, which He did, and even if He loved us so much that He died on the cross, which He did, had it not been for the fact that we read here in our text, He is risen. He's alive. Had it not been for that, as Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, had it not been for that, our preaching would be in vain. Our faith would be in vain. Everything would be in vain. We'd have nothing. Without the resurrection, it all hinges on that. Maybe you're here today and you're thinking, well, preacher, I've already been saved. I've got this nailed down and I'm good to go. Have you ever thought about the practical value of the resurrection of Christ? Of how it influences us, the way that it is able to transform us, the practical significance of the resurrection I'm going to give you three things that that the Word of God tells us about that. First of all, concerning His person, He is who He claimed to be. Who did He claim to be? Well, He said, Matthew 16, the Son of the living God. John 14 says, He hath seen me, hath seen the Father. Oh, his enemy said that he was a liar. His enemy said he's an imposter. They said he's insane. They said he's demon-possessed. That's what the crowd thought about Jesus. And you have to admit, based on what he said, he was either a liar, a lunatic, or a lo- the Lord, one of, one of those. He had to be. And, and if you know anything, you know he's Lord. The resurrection proved he was Lord. Romans chapter 1 verse 4. Listen. He was declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness. Well, how did that come about? What brought us such convincing evidence that he is? He's declared to be the Son of God. How did God declare it? Did he write it in the sky? No. Did he send an email? No. By the resurrection from the dead. God the Father wants you to know he is his son. He is alive. He's able to do what he claims to do. And he is who he claims to be. And the resurrection proves it. What more evidence could you need than that? Not only that, but also we see the significance of His resurrection concerning His promises. 
He, he not only is who he claims to be, he does what he says he will do. Amen. He repeatedly predicted the fact that he was going to be raised from the grave over and over and over again. As I mentioned earlier, the disciples seemed to stop listening to that part of it. They didn't want to believe the part about him being crucified and they just stopped listening that he, he wasn't through at the crucifixion. Whenever he said it is finished on the cross, he didn't say I'm finished. It's finished. I finished the work that I was sent to do. But I'm not finished because I'm going to, I'm going to be raised up from the grave. He does what he says that he will do. And the resurrection proves that he doesn't lie. I mention that because, folks, you can believe what he says. Why? Because he has proven himself to be trustworthy. How horrible it would be if we went through the Bible and we saw promise after promise after promise that we could prove was false. Let me tell you, if you can find just one error in the Bible, how can you trust any of the Bible? If, if you can't believe all of it, why would you believe any of it? You can depend on what he says, the promises he makes. Peter says they're exceeding great and precious promises. And I want you to know today, the next time that you face some desperate situation, you're overwhelmed by fear, you're troubled maybe by doubt of some kind, I want you to think about that empty tomb. He is risen, as he said. He kept his promise. And let me tell you, he'll keep the promises that, that he's made to you also. There's another thing, a third thing that is significant. Something that relates to the life that we live and why we are so affected. By the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He's not only who he claimed to be. He doesn't only do what he says he will do. But he can do whatever needs to be done. You see the empty tomb not only speaks about his person and his promises. It speaks about his power. It's a testimony as to, as to God's ability. Giving us assurance of what we need. went to bed last night I wasn't actually in bed I wasn't actually at that point ready to go to sleep and I had a crying spell like I haven't had since I thought my wife was going to die in the hospital I was afraid the other people in the other room Bev and they was going to hear me and come in there wondering what in the world is wrong I mean, I just started gushing. And all of a sudden, it seemed like that every negative thing that I could imagine was rattling around in my head. There my wife lays in there, not able to walk. I cried about that. I cried about personal situations and family situations and things that I won't talk about. 
I just uh, heard a song that says, glory's not there like it used to be. And I got to thinking about the churches across America. The churches around the world, the churches that what's going on in Europe is mind-boggling. It, it, it's unbelievable what's going on in so-called churches there. And we're just trailing right on the heels of them, following right after them. I mean, I can remember a day whenever even the Baptists got excited whenever it came to the things of the Lord. I mean, whether you know it or not, Baptists used to shout. They used to get excited. And I'm thinking of all of that in the context that in the morning is Easter and we're going to celebrate the resurrected Savior who has the power the power not only to create the heavens and the earth, and the power not only to, to save our wretched soul, but He has the power to change our lives. And, and just people in general today can't seem to get excited about that. We love to talk about our needs and our problems and our difficulties. But there's so many times that we act like God is dead sick or that He doesn't care. We, we treat Him that way, it seems like. And you think about the condition of churches in general, and it's true, the glory's not there like it used to be. There's something seriously wrong in churches across America. Just knowing that we have a Savior who has the power to do whatever needs to be done, ought to thrill our heart. I, I wish I could stand up and throw this cane away and, and get down there with you and, like I used to and be able to really nail this down. Not one person here today that doesn't have a need of some kind. Oh, you've got some needs you don't want to talk about. You've got some needs that you, you don't want to mention and you might have some needs that you, you don't want to think about even and you just try to dismiss it, put it over in the dead letter file. I'll deal with that at some later date. We all have difficulties like that and we, we will never get away from those things as long as we live. But I want you to leave here today knowing that we have a God who is able. Amen. If you're dead in your trespasses and sins, He's able to give you life. And listen, if you've never been saved, that's where you are. You are dead spiritually. In your trespasses and sins, you're condemned in the sight of God. And God is promising you, He has provided for you life, eternal life, spiritual life. If, if you don't have it, you ought to get it today. And you can. Thank God He's able to save the most wretched soul. If you're here today and you're enslaved by sin. Oh, you say, but preacher, I'm a Christian. 
You can be a Christian and enslaved by sin to a certain degree. Just because the Bible says that, you know, as Christians we don't habitually do certain things anymore doesn't mean that you can't get yourself in such a mess that you're doing something you shouldn't. We all do things at times that we shouldn't. We all act out of character. It's not the way we normally act at times. Somebody comes up and slaps my wife, I'm going to act out of character because I'm going to hit you back. I ordinarily wouldn't do that. You could cuss me or whatever, and I'm not going to fight with you. But there's certain things that push us over the limit certain times. And it might be that you're here today and you, you, maybe you're enslaved to lust or anger or whatever it is. I want you to know that there's help for you today. That Christ has the power to deliver you from that. There's no reason for you to act like it's just a problem. I got my anger because I'm Irish. So what? That's like saying I'm a mobster because I'm Italian. It's okay. No, it's not okay. You can be engulfed in the darkness of depression. You might say, well, preacher, I, I don't have to worry about depression. Well, I didn't either for a long, long, long time. But believe me, things can change to the point that you find yourself sitting in a chair, staring off in space, wondering what in God's name happened. So depressed that you don't want to eat, you don't want to think, you just... There's some here today that probably might near end that kind of a state. You're depressed. You might be depressed because of some great loss that you've suffered. And it's just the darkness has just swallowed you up. And I want you to know our risen Savior is able to give you light and joy in your heart. Maybe you're here today and You've been tainted by the stench of your sinful past. You know, those things that you wish you hadn't done, but you did. The things you did that you can't undo, and it troubles you. I want you to know that we have a risen Savior who is able to enable you to get through all of those difficulties. Whatever it is. We serve a God who proved that He is able. He's able to not only save your soul, but to give you a peace that passeth all understanding, joy that's unspeakable and full of glory. I mean, all of the things that, you know, that we really want in life, all of those things are found in our risen Savior. And for you to reject Him is for you to deprive yourself of all that He offers. Don't do that. Whatever you Don't make that mistake. What if those women, when they saw that angel, had said, we're just under stress seeing things. 
Well, if it said the angel, well, I, I saw an angel one time before, but I've, I've never seen you. I'm not sure you're an angel. Whenever he said that he's not here, he's risen, they could have said, you're lying. You see, they didn't have to believe what he said. They didn't have to receive what he did. Well, in fact, lo and behold, when the news trickled out and Thomas had some doubts. He said, I'm not going to believe that until I see him and I'm able to put my finger in the scars in his body. Oh, how embarrassed he must have been later on when he thought about that. How could I have been such an idiot as to not believe my Savior when he said, I will rise again, when he promised that he would? Why am I surprised that he did? And Maybe you're here today and you're, you're thinking to yourself, well, preacher, all of this getting saved and being forgiven and going to heaven, all, all of that really sounds good. But I really think it's just people, you know, that's weak and need a crutch to lean on. Let me tell you, it's more than that. It's an iron lung that you couldn't live without because of your wretched condition. The only place that the only place that we can find life, the only place we can find those things that, that we by nature seek is in the Lord Jesus Christ. God set eternity in our hearts. There's, that's why you find people that are religious everywhere. Every part of the world, people that have never read the Bible, people that there's something within them that tells them that there's more to life than what I can see and feel and touch. There's something beyond all of this. God set eternity in man's heart. Now, I know the Bible says that no man seeks after God. I, I, I agree with that. They're not seeking the true and the living God, but they're seeking something. Like Solomon, he was seeking satisfaction. Took him a long time and a lot of money and trouble to finally figure out you're not going to find it in this world. The only place you'll ever find satisfaction is in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And he did everything necessary to prove to you that he is who he claimed to be. He can do whatever needs to be done. He'll keep His promise regardless of how things might seem. There might be times you feel like, well, boy, the Lord's really let me down. He's just dumped all of this in my lap and run off and left me here. Let me tell you, if God doesn't answer the, your prayers the way you want Him to, it's because He's got something better in mind for you. And maybe you're thinking, well, I don't know what in the world that could be. That's why you don't know, because it's not in the world, it's in the eternity. It'll not be till eternity before you find out. I don't know about you, but uh, I'm going to trust Him. I'm, I'm going to trust Him. When He says, 
all things work together for good to those who love the Lord. I, it doesn't seem that way. Not what I would choose. But I'm going to trust Him and believe. It might be painful. It might be bad now. But boy, boy, when we stand before our risen Savior, somebody says, I'm going to skip and shout and down Hallelujah Avenue kicking up gold dust under my feet. I'm going to grab and hug the neck of all my loved ones. I'm going to do this and that. I don't know. I, I, I think we'll all just fall on our face before the Lord Jesus Christ. I think there will be a time that we won't even be able to speak and when we do, when we do, It'll be nothing but praise for Him. Because He did it all. We praise a risen Savior. He's in the world today. Have you received Him as your Lord and your Savior? Would you this morning? Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be great to be able to walk out that door knowing that the most important need in your life has just been met. And if you get hit by a car and die out there in the middle of the street somewhere, you'll be in heaven. They'll take that old worthless body and they'll... I didn't say you're worthless. I said your old body's worthless. But the spiritual part of you is either going to heaven or hell. Dying's not going to get you out of it if you think... It will because there's one or two destinations and you can settle all of that today. You're here today and you're a Christian. But you're in a, maybe a state of depression. You try to hide it. You say, well, how do you know? Because that's what I do. I, do yeah, I try to hide it. Let me tell you, it's, it's a whole lot better just to say, Lord, look, I need your help. You said I could have joy unspeakable and full of glory and look at the mess my mind is in. It might be you're here today and you've just, whatever it is, there's something that's not the way God wants it to be. And you know it. Wouldn't this be a good time to be raised up out of the ashes of your failures like Christ was raised up out of the tomb and walk out that door knowing it's all right now? I hope you will. Let's all stand, Brother David, if you'll come. The musicians, we're going to have the invitation. And if God's speaking to your heart this morning... Look, it might be that, that you can't think of any troubling difficulty in your life. It might be you're positive about your salvation. Ever stop to think about how thankful we ought to be for what God has done, that we have a risen Savior because He lived. That part of that song that says, and life is worth the living because He lives. Don't give up on life. It's worth living because He's alive. Would you come while we sing? He 
Worship the Lord in prayer. Just get on your knees and just bubble over in praising the Lord. How long has it been since you just let your emotions